this is Bob Sorrentino from italiangenealogy.blog, and I'm here today with Kathy Occhipinti, who is going to talk a little bit about her research, her Sicilian family research, and then also how she helps people learn travel Italian. So welcome, Kathy. Thanks for joining. Oh, thanks for having me, Bob. Uh, yeah, this is, this is great. And um, what I'd like to ask you about first, because all us people who like to do research always like to talk about it. So I know you've researched your Italian family, so maybe you could tell me a little bit about how you got started. Um, I have. Well, so the way I got started was actually with a long-lost cousin. Uh, her name is Jennifer Petrino with Sicilian Family Tree. And um, my cousin Pete actually found her site not knowing we were related. And she, it turns out, has been looking for our side of the family. So um, we're related through our grandparents. Um, so we're cousins through uh, her grandmother and my grandfather. So it was kind of neat how we found each other this way, you know, through the internet, um, basically. And so she had already set out everything from my mother's side of our family tree. So that was wonderful. So that was already there for me. Well, that's really, that's really neat. And I have, I have a similar story with uh, a long-lost cousin that I got a, uh, a notice on uh, Ancestry.com one time, and she said, I think we're researching the same person. Maria Piramalo, and I said, yes, that's my grandfather, my great-grandfather's sister. And she said, are you sure? And I said, I'm positive. I said, because Piramalo is not a very uh, common name in Italy at all. And I said, the dates line up, and, I'm, and I've done tons of research, and I said, this, you know, it, it's, it's us. But she had her doubts until she actually got her results back. Uh, and then when she got her results, it didn't show me, and she was beside herself. And I said, well, I see you. <laughs> so she contacted them, and I guess they had some sort of mistake. Uh, but in reality, what happened was her grandmother, I used to refer to as Aunt Beatrice. I maybe met her only a couple of times when I was young. Uh, but she was, she was my father's second cousin, but you know how that works in Italian families, right? Everybody older is an aunt. And uh, I lived for five years about four blocks from her grandmother where her aunt and her cousin lived there. And she would come and visit. And we must have passed each other on the street in Flushing, Queens a million times, not knowing about it. And um, her aunt used to work for my grandfather in his bridal crown business. So we had this long, long history, and we never knew about it until about two years ago. She came over last year, and she, she actually brought beads from my grandfather's shop for me and my sister and my cousin. So, crazy. Uh, yeah, and it was just, you know, all by kind of accident, kind of, kind of like yours. Um, so what interesting things did you find out about the, the, the family that you never knew? I guess I came from a very typical Italian family on both sides. Well, we were Sicilian. 
Um, so I did find out um, the town, you know, where my grandparents grew up because they, they came over here in the 1920s. And um, I was able to visit briefly a couple years ago, which was nice. I found out the town was in the mountains south of Palermo. And then on my father's side, um, the interesting thing for me was that they're from Ragusa, which is a very, very old town, again, in the mountains. And um, I've always had this connection with the mountains, so I don't know. Maybe that's why. But I was lucky enough to be able to visit last September. And they have such a history that I really want to go back. Uh, it's, number one, the place is beautiful. Um, there's Baroque architecture, um, you know, in that city and in all the surrounding cities in southeastern Sicily. And uh, I just had no idea what treasures I could find there. Unfortunately, I did not find any living relatives in Ragusa. And Jennifer and I searched for about three years. So apparently everyone came either to America or Australia. I did find one cousin, and I think he's from the family that moved to Rome. And now he's actually living in the south of France. He's living outside Nice, which is interesting. So he speaks three languages, French, English, and his English is very good because we've connected on Facebook um, and, of course, Italian. Wow, that's, that's, that's great. Um, we were actually supposed to be there in April. Oh. And we had the whole thing planned. I, I hired um, uh, Italy Rooting, and I, I came across her just, you know, regular Facebook, and they were so great in helping me planning and everything. And what Letizia actually does, she brings you back in time more or less. So it's not, you know, it's not just your typical tour type of thing. She actually wants you to feel like it would feel, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, or something like that. And we were going to uh, Capricotta, where that was the home of, the, the home of my third great grandmother is now the town hall. Um, my grandmother's, on her husband's family uh, his home is still there in Montebello. So we were going to go to ancestral homes, and, and I was going to meet third and fourth cousins that I never knew existed. So we have fingers crossed we're going to go in October. <laughs> Hopefully this thing will be gone. One thing I have to say, it just came back to me. Um, through Jennifer's research, I did find the street um, the actual address that my great-great-grandfather, um, where he was living when he died, basically. And the interesting thing about Ragusa, it's such an old town that the names of the streets have changed. So, you know, and that was something I never dreamed I would encounter. You know, we always think that things stay the same in Italy, right? And for the most part, they do. Um, but his place of birth was... Um, on a main street, which had a different name now, no longer existed. And the concierge of the hotel I stayed at actually majored in history and the history of the region. And he was the one who told me this. So I think starting this whole uh, genealogy thing just opened up so many doors that I didn't expect. And, you know, I learned about so many things I, I didn't know about 
But we were able to find, with the help of this concierge, the, the street that he last lived on, and we could see that number was actually still etched in the building because the building was stone, but it was um, covered over, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the same building. So that's, that's as close as I've, I've gotten to my relatives, but it was an interesting experience trying to figure this out. It's kind of like a mystery that needs to be solved, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what, that's what drives a lot of us is that, that mystery type of thing. Um, in, in my case, I didn't know. We went, we went to Italy 25 years ago. I lived in England for a couple of years. And we went to the train station in Naples on the way to Sorrento. And I didn't know that my, uh, actually both my father's parents' families lived a half a mile from the train station. I had no idea back then, but now, you know, searching through the records, um, I could I could see where they lived, and the the hotel Caracciolo on Via Carbonara in Naples was my I don't know eighth or ninth great grandfather's home. So, you know, finding these things, I, I'm very lucky in respect that I was able to find this. My mom's family, they're, you know, they're from Bari and they're farmers and they're wonderful people. But, you know, you can only go back so far because there's no documentation unless you start hunting through churches and everything. So, um, but I, I, I think what drives us is that, that mystery. And when you come across a record that has an address or a signature, it's just amazing to me. We'll be right back. Italian Roots and Genealogy is proudly sponsored by Your Dolce Vita and Dawn Matera, connecting people to their purpose in life and continuing their legacy. For more information, contact Dawn at www.yourdolcevita.com. It is. It's, it's incredible that, you know, they kept the records back, um, so far back, um, I think on my Akapinti side, we're in the mid-1750s, um, you know, still searching for, I guess, what would be fourth or fifth cousins at this point. But, um, but they were very precise, and they did keep very good um, documents. It's just a matter of, you know, opening up that world, I guess. And once you enter, you just never know what you're going to find, and it just gets more and more interesting, for me, anyway. No, me too. And I, and I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people about it and everybody seems to have that same kind of drive or that same kind of, you know, goal or whatever you want to call it, uh, to find that. And, you know, when I talk to some of my, you know, cause I have a pretty big family on both sides, they think I'm whacked out. You know? <laughs> like, why are you looking for this? <laughs> why are you trying to find this stuff? And I said, because it's there. I said, aren't you interested in where you came? You know, and they're like, eh, yeah, not really. <laughs> I, I think if they would get started, they would become interested. You know what I mean? Because it is a whole other world and it's been preserved for us. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, um, so uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about, I know you have a website. You've written uh, a couple of books about, um, you know, teaching people how to... Uh, learn basic Italian or French to, you know, in traveling so they could get around. So 
how did you get started with that? Well, it actually all grew out of this um, need that people, you know, many people do have to go back to Italy and to try and find their ancestors. Um, so I was living in Peoria. I raised my children in Peoria, Illinois. So I was there about 20 years, and I was part of the Italian American Society. And um, they asked me if I would lead a class in Italian to help the people who wanted to go back to learn a little bit. And so I said yes, and I started looking on the internet for material, and I soon realized, and now we're talking, you know, 10 years ago, there was really not much material on the internet for people who had this specific goal in mind, who wanted to learn Italian so they could feel comfortable in Italy, and especially so they could communicate with their relatives. And so that's how my book started. Um, I was, so I majored in medicine in, in college, but I was an English minor, and you know, every English literature student thinks they can write a book, right? So. <laughs> There you go. So I said, oh, I'll just write a book, you know, I'll, I'll just write the material. And um, it actually helped me to learn Italian, too, because even though I had taken Italian, I was very fortunate I could take Italian in my high school in New York, um, where I grew up. Um, and I took just one semester in college. I never learned the vocabulary I really needed to travel to Italy. You know, it's astounding to me how many years of Italian one can take and never really learn what they actually are going to use on a daily basis. So I thought, okay, I'll just write a book. So meanwhile, four and a half years later, <laughs> um, I had a textbook, and it's about 400 pages. Um, it's called Conversational Italian for Travelers. And the first six chapters would give anyone who needs it a good basic understanding of Italian and help them get around Italy. And then the second unit is more intermediate work. Um, and then of course the third unit um, is a little more advanced intermediate. Um, but the books are based on a story of Caterina and you can hear this story for free on my website. I recorded it with native Italian speakers. And the idea is that a story would make things more interesting for people. And everything Caterina needs to do as she goes on her trip to Italy and she meets her relatives. And then she and her relatives go out on a vacation for Ferragosto. Everything she needs to do, we need to do. So again, keeping in with that theme of the travel vocabulary. Oh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I have a childhood friend from the, um, well, actually, we go back to the second grade. She remembers me. I don't remember her in the second grade, but I think she said she put me in the closet or something like that. But in any event, she just got her Italian citizenship, and she moved to Italy last March. And she, to me, I think, you know, I think she speaks Italian pretty well, but she, she said that it's, you know, she could get around, she could do things, you know, she could get stuff in the, the, the stores and everything like that. Uh, but she said even because they talk fast, like we do, I guess, in English, you know, she said uh, she's still lost sometimes, you know, in general conversation or at a party or something like that. So um, 
It is, it is tough to learn. I'm terrible with languages. I've tried to learn several of them, and I'm just, no, I'm just horrible. Probably not. And that's kind of why I wrote these books, to inspire people, because what I, what I did was I wrote them in a very basic way, um, and I put nice, clean tables so things are understandable. I mean, I have about 20 textbooks of Italian. For one thing, they're really boring. Mm-hmm. Only, a, only a nerd like me would go back to them. <laughs> Um, but I think just the approach all along has not, not been what we need as adults. You know, I mean, if you're a student and you have 10 years to learn, that's fine. Um, but I think the approach is important and I think it just takes a lot of time. And, um, I think I listened to your podcast, um, with your friend, was she on a podcast? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and. I've gone through all the things that, that she mentions and, you know, you have to, it takes several steps. It takes a long time, but I think people need to be encouraged by what they do know and just keep building on that. Um, and again, I think the right material is important. So, um, so like I said, the first six chapters of my book are basic how to get around, but then the middle of the book is more how you interact with people um, how you say things at a party. Um, we have like a little pickup chapter. I, um, this was before the Me Too thing. But, um, you know, what do you do if you want to meet someone that you like and you're in Italy, if, if you're staying for a while? So it's a chapter about that. There's a chapter how to talk on the telephone. Um, and then actually I have a, a second blog. I have two blogs that go along with the book. But my second blog is my attempt to do just what your friend is doing, is really to try and speak Italian the way I would speak English. And that is difficult, and that also takes some time. But, you know, it's just a a series of of steps that we all have to go through. Well, I'm definitely going to follow up on that, because now that that I have time... um, because the trip was postponed, hopefully I have, you know, we're going back there in five months. Uh, so I'm going to start taking a look at that. Uh, to your point about, about writing a book, I've started uh, documenting the families, and I'm the furthest thing from an English major as you can get, uh, but I kind of have the basis for it, and I wanted to finish it after the trip, so that's going to be postponed. Um, but what, what advice would you have for somebody like me who wants to document their family and whether they want to write a book to publish or whether they just want to have it to, you know, for the generations coming? Um, I, my advice would be to write it like a story. Write it like, you know, it makes people feel like they're there and they're experiencing what you feel. And so if you, if you distance yourself a little bit and just write it like, an interesting story. I think that will really draw people's attention in. Um, and that's what I, I sort of tried to do with my books, even though they're language focused. Um, they're based on a story, which I hope helps people uh, and helps keep them interested. No, I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, I've, I, I took Italian in college for, you know, a semester or two because I had to. And, um, but I really wasn't interested in taking any language. And now I was, I tried a couple of times through, um, you know, Rosetta Stone or Babel or those things. But to your point, it's just not interesting. It's just, okay, repetition and 
and I guess some people learn that way, but, you know, being close to 70, you don't learn that way anymore. So I definitely want to look at that and, and try that and look at the, and, you know, take, take you up on the block to, to do that conversational kind of stuff and try to learn that way. So definitely a different approach. Yeah. I think that, I think uh, teachers do need a different approach with adults. And um, when I was writing my book, I was actually teaching the Italian American society. And so the other thing is that when I was writing it, I was learning. So I know what's difficult for us English speakers, you know? Um, and I think books written by Italians are different because they don't know what's difficult for us necessarily. Um, but what I always advise people to do, the most important thing is to find something you're interested in that interests you to begin with, whether it's movies. And I watched a lot of movies, or I have watched over time, I still am. Um, the Detective Montalbano series is wonderful for learning how Italians really speak, but I've been told it's too difficult sometimes for beginners. Um, but movies are great because they're interesting, they're fun. So find something you really like and listen to a lot of Italian. Um, if you don't listen to Italian, you don't really know how to speak Italian. You don't really know how to start, you know, how to pronounce things. But find something you like, center it around that. If you have a goal, six months is perfect. I was going to say that before. I think in six months, if you set a goal and say, okay, for 30 minutes every day, I'm going to do a little Italian, um, you will learn Italian. It'll definitely come to you. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to try that. I, th I think the thing that I always get caught up on, you know, the masculine feminine thing you could kind of, you could kind of figure out, but it's, you know, uh, conjugating the verbs just yeah. kills me. It's, it's difficult for everyone. So what I tell people to do is learn the verb tenses that you'll need. So you need the EO tense, and the ending is the same for all three present tense conjugations, which is great. It's always O. Learn the two tense. So you have to know how to talk yourself, say, I want this or I want that. And then you have to learn how to ask a question. So you have to learn the two or the U form. Do you want this? Do you want that? For the EO and the two form, the ending is always the same. The EO, the ending is always O. The two, the ending is always I. So you've got it. So most of the conversations you will have with another person, you already know the endings. Um, and then, of course, there's the no-we form, the we form. So if you want to say, let's go, the ending is always the same. It's yamo. Andiamo. Let's go. So just do that. Just learn those verb forms first. Learn what you need, and then you'll keep interested in what you're doing. Um, now, for me, I always forget the voe form and the loro form because I never use them. So if I don't remember them, that's okay, right? Yeah, see, now that's, that's great advice because, again, going back to Rosetta Stone, they give you all, you know, they give you the loro form, they give you all of that stuff, and they bounce around a lot at the beginning as opposed to what you're saying is just learn what you need to know to get to the bus stop or get to the train station or get on a plane or order dinner or something like that. I mean, when we were there the first time, well, Rome was easy because a lot of people spoke English and I, you know, pointed a lot. 
Um, Sorrento was a little. That works fine. It works for me. (laughs) Sorrento was a little bit different uh, because there was not as many people spoke spoke English down there. One one funny story in Sorrento was um, well, two funny stories about Sorrento. One was the uh, Circolo Sorrentino, which was right on the corner, nice you know open air club type of thing or restaurant, whatever, and. I just was an early Sunday morning, and I just wanted to go inside and, you know, have my picture taken in the Sorrentino Club. And uh, there was a maitre d' or waiter, and I, I said, can I just, you know, just take a quick picture, you know, inside? And he said, no, you can't go inside. And I, it, he didn't say it in English, but I got the drift. And I said, well, I just want, you know, photograph. And he said, no. So... Finally, after about third tries, he, he pointed in the corner with the guys with the fedoras and the cigars, and he said, you can't go in. <laughs> I said, okay, I get, I get it now. I understand. Um, and, then, and then the other one was, there was a um, uh, butcher shop, Sorrentino, and um, I was, you know, t- I told my wife, take a, you know, take a picture in front of the, the Sorrentino sign, and um, the owner came out and he was asking me, I got enough to know that he was asking me, you know, what are you doing? And I said, you know, Sorrentino from America. And he you know, wasn't getting it. So I took out my license. I showed him Sorrentino, America. So he got all excited and I sped, I sped. And he left me standing in the street and he ran into the shop next door, but I didn't know the guy in the shop next door spoke English. <laughs> so he came out and he translated and he wanted to know where I was from and what we were doing there and all that kind of stuff. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, just seeing the, you know, the sign, I don't think we were related, but just seeing the sign. Um, this trip, and I'm sure we'll go there in October, there's a Sorrentino winery um, on the, um, by Vesuvius. So... I'm hoping to go there and um, get some Sorrentino wine and maybe some glasses uh, nice. to bring home. Um, so that's that's all interesting. Well, this has been a, a great chat. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, this is really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook in the Italian Genealogy Group or at www.italiangenealogy.blog.